Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spiegel, and we are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic which is why companies should add more focus to their PR efforts. Today's guest is the president of Petrilla PR Marketing, a Forbes entrepreneur contributor and managing editor of BoostFrontline.com. A big welcome to Christine Petrilla Wetzler. Hi, Christine. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Now, when we're talking PR, I guess let's start with your firm. It offers numerous services. I see there's media mm-hmm. relations, content creation, social media, web development, digital marketing, and paid placements. Do most companies need all these services? Collective, yes. Um, So all companies should be doing something marketing and PR uh, related, but does each company need every single one? No. Um, There are some that probably don't make sense for certain companies and, and some that would be very beneficial. Um, but I think that's what that's why you hire a good marketing person so they can tell you what to spend your money on and what not to. So with all these services now in, in 2023, what do you think typically is going to be the best way for a company to connect with their target customers? So it's funny, I say this a lot to new clients and even existing clients I've had for a number of years, but I believe that the closer you can get to a personalized opportunity with each one of your customers, whether they're a new lead, top of funnel, or you're closing them, um, they want to speak to people. They want to speak to people that know what they're talking about, and they don't want to feel shuffled around. And so I think the the goal um, this day and age is to try and leverage technology, be able to do that to scale but still offer that hands-on, you know, white glove, if you will, experience uh, for your customers. So they feel like they're connecting to you and your brand. So PR, how, how do you define that at your agency? So for us, it's media relations and anything that will help us generate third-party credibility. Um, so it could be an event, it could be a speaking engagement, um, most of the time, I'd say 95% of the time, it's speaking engagements, um, media relations, writing contributed content, or contributing to an article somebody else is writing. Uh, you, I'm sure everyone's heard of that called thought leadership. <laughs> it's a nice yeah. positive word. Um, but yeah, so we that's how we define uh, PR. And, you know, I, I think it's hard, though, because a lot of people will also include other things in that. But I, I would say if you're trying to get credibility, 
with the effort that you're making, then that that's very closely aligned with PR. Now, how how important is the PR and, and the media relations, and how exactly do you even go about measuring an ROI on that effort? Yeah, it's hugely important, um, hugely, because if you think about it, you could have a very good product, a uh, very good service, but if nobody knows who you are, um, it, it's going to be tough. Um, and second to that, if people know who you are, but nobody's ever said anything or given a third party, you know, tap that you're you're the one to work with, um, it's it's also not going to work. You know, uh, people want to feel safe making decisions. And so whether it's a candy bar or a PR services or whatever it is, they're going to look for the credibility, excuse me, out in the marketplace. And so that has to be part of a plan. Uh, whether you do it by calling up Forbes and saying, hey, I'm ready to be quoted if you want. Now that's a different discussion, but you definitely need to build credibility in order to market yourself. It's just, you can't have one without the other. Is the old saying, um, there's uh, no such thing as bad press. Do you think that's true? Sometimes. Um, I wouldn't say all the time. It, you know, it's like everything else. When we first started doing SEO, you know, there were all kinds of like the wild west. And then now we have uh, black hat, and white hat tactics. And I think PR is kind of that way too. There are some times when if you're a celebrity, if there are certain situations where where that saying is, is true, um, because as long as your name is in the paper, or as long as your brand is in the paper, it, it's that's what you want. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot of people that want that and don't want to manage the negative side of it. It is difficult to manage, um, even for people who've done it. For years and years like I have uh crisis calm and negative messaging is a tough thing to to manage but so it, the answer isn't no it's not correct it's just for most people it's not correct you want to focus on positive uh positive PR that you can get out there uh not really have to deal with the negative you can get so away with it in your experience how much attention do you think that most companies give to their public relations, to their media relations? Well, I don't think they give enough. Um, you know, I'm an avid reader, uh, avid reader, avid social media user because of the work that I do. And I can see very clearly who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong. Um, it is something that it shouldn't be that difficult if you have the right partners, if you have the right people doing it. Um, it's something that needs to be ingrained in to your kind of operating procedures. Um, so I think, you know, the short answer to that is no, I don't think companies are doing enough. And I think a lot of them are misled into thinking that they don't have to do anything, you know, proactively, you just react to whatever is happening. And I can't, I can't tell you enough how untrue that is you know reacting to something is the worst strategic situation to be in so you know working on proactive pr even if it's just dribbles every week every day 
that help you keep the platform there. So when something bad does happen, you have a platform to stand on, to use, to protect yourself. Um, it, it's, uh, I wish I could give you examples, but obviously because of confidentiality, I can't, but it is so hard to, to scrape up the pieces uh, in a reactive scenario. Whereas playing offense is a lot easier in my opinion. So, so in plain offense, what are mm -hmm. some of the top ways that you have found to, to get your clients PR? Well, the first thing that you have to do, everybody has to do, and this is for personal branding too, is decide the top three to five things you want to get across. So, you know, if you want people to know that you are, uh, you can quickly write things, you know, you're not... Uh, intimidated by deadlines or, or whatever it is, you know, your five things, you need to make sure that whatever you create, whatever you do, whomever you talk to, anything you participate in, goes back to telling people about those, that handful of messages. And that is the, that's the crux of PR. Um, that will inform the rest of your strategy because um, I think that most people or most brands know where their customers live. They know where they are. So if they're on Facebook, you're going to do this on Facebook. If they're on TikTok, you're going to do it on TikTok. You know, it's not, it's not, there's no magic button. Um, there is a magic button for each strategy. But if you, if you make the, uh, make the error of thinking that it's it's just a silver bullet that everyone has and you just need to get your hands on it. It's not like that. It has to be personalized to the company and to their the journey they want people to take. So I would say the first thing you have to do is start with the messaging and work backward from there. You know, what are the best ways to get those messages across? And, and it will become clear whether you're a PR person or not. So what are those best ways after you have gotten those three to five messages on what you want to communicate about yourself or about your business. How do you start yeah. um, getting that out there? So I think the first way is to make sure that all of your bio materials, all of your website materials, everything, not only radiates those messages, really gives a good sense of what people are going to get from interacting with you or your brand. So, you know, um, one of my favorite things to do, and, and this is really easy, is to put whatever it is up on SurveyMonkey, you know, take the brand out, of course, or, or retract it. Um, but we've done this with websites, we've done this with ads, we've done this with all kinds of things, even copy for Google ads. Just throwing it up on SurveyMonkey and ask, you know, 50 to 100 people tell me what you think about this company or tell me what you think about this person or whatever it is that we're trying to communicate about and see what feedback comes back. Um, because you'd be surprised how, how different it can be. Um, and then you, know, you can also see when people don't do that, you know, everyone's seen the ads on TV or the social media gaffes when somebody kind of steps in it. Um, it's because they didn't do that. It's because they didn't ask. Um, and you know, the old way of doing things was focus groups and these big coordinated things. You don't have to go that far. Survey monkey work, mechanical Turk work, it's cheap. You can just 
just ask. That's the big question. What do you think this company does by reading this ad? And yeah, no, if you that's don't get a... the answer back, you want you need to change it. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great tip. So sur survey monkey is the name mm -hmm. of the, the tool. I've used uh, PicFu for for different things kind of similar. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've heard of that one. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've been focusing quite a bit this year with my guests discussing the customer experience, and you had uh, mm -hmm. brought that up earlier in mm -hmm. this uh, in the show. But in your opinion, how much should a company focus their resources on customer acquisition versus the customer experience? I think it needs to be half and half um, because it's easier and more cost effective to keep customers. So. You know, when you're doing lead gen, you want to make sure that you're doing it, quote unquote, properly so that the people that are coming into your funnel are, are you're going to get an ROI for the most part out of those leads. And then one, once you have leads, that's the way to keep them, right, is the customer experience. How do you talk to them? What resources do you offer them? Are they confused about what you're doing? Um, again, I think we, you know, 20 years ago when I started, a lot of companies used NPS reports to do this. Um, it was a kind of a lower tech way of, of just continually asking uh, customers, what do you think? How did this work for you? And we've kind of gotten away from that um, because of social media and technology. Everything's just much more immediate, which is great. Um, but I think it's pulled a lot of marketing groups back from asking those questions regularly and we need to get back to that so i would say do your own mps testing, you know like put a qr code on your packaging says did you really like this let us know you know and make it short don't ask them 30 questions just ask them two you know did it meet your needs did you enjoy opening up yes yes great and then that way from marketing standpoint at least you're getting some feedback and you're also fostering a culture of feedback that you can then put into refining your lead gathering process. Um, because everything that you learn on both sides is going to help you improve the people that stay in your ecosystem, you know, the leads that stay in your ecosystem. But I would definitely say it's half and half because you have to do one to get the other. If you get a, if you don't spend a lot of time on lead gen and you push a bunch of people in your funnel that aren't going to be you know, valuable to your company, um, it really doesn't matter what the customer experience is because they're not there to have that experience for the right reason. So, you know, I think you have to you have to keep both of them at the top of your strategy. So you had mentioned uh, getting customer feedback through a QR code saying, do you like this? Mm -hmm. what, what have you found a response rate to be like using something, that kind of tactic? You know, it depends. Um, we get younger people are obviously a lot more inclined to do that kind of stuff because they're, they're just more tech savvy in general. Um, I also think that, and I include myself in this because I've owned my company for 20 years and been doing this for 25. And so I, I'm old enough now to say that I'm one of the the older generation that remembered before social media. So it is hard for me sometimes to automatically think about tweeting somebody or, you know, it, it's not in my workflow the way it is for my nieces and nephews who are in college. So, you know, I think, I think it's hard to say because it really depends on the medium. You know, my B2B clients, 
you're not going to get a lot of QR code scans. Um, you're just not there. What, what about B to B to C? Oh, B to C. Yes. Um, we have a lot of, well, so our clientele is usually food and bed. And so we're, um, in the wellness space and also sustainability. So our audiences are very in tune. It, you know, part of the value of working with our clients is because they want, you know, a tea that has sustainable packaging or they want, a, um, you know, a cocktail that uh, does it is gluten-free and doesn't have uh, a lot of calories. You know, they're, they're already interested consumers. And so we do get, I would say for us, success would be around the three or 4% mark. Um, if we were to send out, you know, say we got, we blanketed most of our customers with an email blast or, you know, something like that. I would say that our sweet spot uh, for an actual download or, you know, a uh, survey or something like that would be in that, you know, two to 5%. Um, but that's because we also counsel our clients not to pepper people with things that they don't want. So we do, we usually do a tiered uh, notification system, especially with the B2C clients because it can get out of hand really quickly. Um, and those emails then end up turning back or those outreaches end up turning back, you know, 20, 25, 30% engagement so um so yeah it, it really depends on on the, the audience you know that you're going after and and also that you're asking them something relevant to them mm -hmm. so for your e-commerce clients where do mm -hmm. you find typically is the most profitable marketing channel for lead gen um again it varies depends on who the target is if you're targeting um you know, household people, like say for a cleaning product or um, uh, something you'd use around the house, curtains, rugs, um, houseware, things like that. Um, it is, it's, it's gonna be a lot different than if you're, you're talking about an electronic device. Um, it's just inherently gonna be different. So it's kind of hard to say what's, what works the best all the time. Um, but I can say there are a lot of companies that do it well. Um, one company, we don't work with them, but I really love their marketing, is a, a women's face care line called Fresh. They do a fantastic job of talking to customers via email, offering the right kind of giveaways, offering the right kind of support without uh, devaluing their brand because it's a, mm. it's not a completely expensive it's not estee lauder expensive but it is more than what you would buy at target or you know it's more in line with the sephora and what uh, what media what media channels are they using they're yeah. using email and social for the most part um so Face facebook that's right yeah facebook uh instagram and or so meta and emails are their their biggest thing I, I also think they don't bother me and I love them for it with text. Um, oh, you're not, you're not a fan. You're not a fan no, of the SMS. No, not really. No. The only, the only thing that I am 
is if there's a way to act on it personally. So like, for instance, another good example is World Market, the store. We have one down the street. They send text about in-store promotions. That mm. is very valuable because I can actually do something about that. You yeah. know, I may be at the grocery store already or somewhere mm. else, get the text and go, oh, I could go over there if they're giving 30% off today. You know, that's, but if it's a, a situation where I'm in the grocery store, I get a text and it's not something I can stop and do anything about, it's just, it's going to get lost. And so I think your, you know, text really has to be a local situation more than anything. Um, now, you, now there are people that can fight me about that and I understand, but, um, but with my experience um, in the food and bev and, and beauty industries, it's got to be a local, it's got to be a pop-up shop. It's got to be something you can react to personally. What about SMS in the customer journey, like your your order is shipped or your order's out for delivery today? As long as it's not every single time. Um, so we've seen where if you email or text once or twice about shipping, you're good. You know, the open rates are good. Once you start getting into three, four, five, eight emails about it, then the, the efficacy starts falling. So... I think, again, it comes back to strategy. Yes, you want your clients, your customers to have a good visibility into the journey that they're on, but you also don't want to overdo it because uh, that can do more damage than, than you really want to have to deal with. Hello there. This is Andy. I wanted to take a quick break from the show and talk to you for just a minute about the new golden ticket program that I've introduced inside Make Each Click Count University. I know it sounds fancy, right? But what's the golden ticket all about? Each month, members of Make Each Click University receive a golden ticket that they can use to access any of our certified courses. Certified courses include courses on Facebook, Google Ads, Pinterest, SEO, and more. Look, if you are looking to grow your business by either adding a new marketing channel or by optimizing an existing marketing channel just like an expert, then this program is for you. Perhaps you're looking to train someone on your team or you're looking for a career in digital marketing. Well, Either way, this program is the program you've been waiting for. In addition, when you become a member to Make Each Click County University, you'll get immediate access to all of our in-house courses, timely training videos, access to all three of my books, and access to our monthly mastermind meeting. All this at a recently reduced price. So go on over to www.makeeachclickcountuniversity.com for all the details and sign up. I guarantee it's going to be the best decision you make today. Now, back to the show. So you had mentioned you're an avid reader. Have there been mm -hmm. any business books out there that you could attribute to your journey as an entrepreneur? Oh, yeah. Um, gosh. So I, I think I mentioned the business years. And so it's kind of weird to recommend this book, but it is such a good refresher. It's It goes back to so many fundamentals that you kind of forget over time that you need to do that occasionally. Um, Profit First um, is a fantastic um, book uh, for that. I mean, I think, you know, we've started uh, putting together some kind of sideline businesses or different uh, P&L centers for us. And that has just been amazing to be able to come back and, and get like back down to basics um, and, and get my head more grounded. So Profit First is a fantastic book for that. Another one that's really good is the E-Myth 
Um, I think it's been updated, the E-Myth Revisited now, and they have one for every industry. Love that book, same thing. Um, super simple, super easy to read, but it has some of the most fundamentally based, uh, you know, and I just find that those things, even though they're basic, they, they have a tendency to bring you back out of the weeds you know, and say, actually, mm -hmm. that's right. I don't need to worry about that. Or I don't need to spend money on that. I'm going to, I'm going to pare back. So I'm always going to favor, you know, kind of those classics. Um, but not unlike marketing, you know, you got to go with what works for you. What, sure. What's going on in your head and what you need help with first is, is where to start with that. So now, next year you could ask me, it could be something different. Yeah. <laughs> Now, do you have a, a favorite success story of a client that you could share? Gosh, so many. Um, when I first started, uh, we had clients for eight, 10 years. So I can definitely say, you know, a lot of that stuff. Um, they, uh, one of the companies that I worked with that I really enjoyed, sounds kind of weird because we're focused on sustainability now, but um, I was a fractional CMO for a public coal company. Um, I loved that, that role and so did my team um, just because we were given the opportunity to basically touch every single bit of the marketing um, from website copy to annual report copy to everything. And so, you know, just like anybody else that that is, excited about their job and, and grateful to do it. That opportunity was a fantastic one. And that's, you know, even the crisis management and stuff uh, was, you know, we got to do all of that. So as in terms of ones that I've enjoyed or had a success story from, I would say that's probably the biggest one. Um, lately though, I'm really proud of all the stuff we've done on the food and beverage side. We have a client called Casking Kettle uh, they have alcohol in their drink. And so for the people listening that do this kind of thing, you know that that is fraught with a lot of obstacles, especially on mm -hmm. the PR side. Just, just can't talk about it, can't email about it, can't do certain things. The rules are really prohibitive. So um, the fact that we have gotten traction with them, I, that's something I'm really proud of because it is very difficult. Yeah, no, that's that's a challenging vertical for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how is Petrilla PR? How do you think or how are you different than the mm -hmm. competition? What are what are you offering that the competitors might not be? Well, I think for me, um, as a business owner, this is what I believe is the most important. And that's that um, we well, first of all, we're all senior leaders. So there's no like, you talk to me and I, you love what I say. And then I leave and five people that, you know, are interns or whatever, come in and start doing the work. We don't work that way. If you're talking to me in the pitch, you're, I'm working with you. And so, um, so that's number one. Um, with the gig economy now, that's not super different than a lot of people. I think the thing that is super different is that we pick and choose our clients too, um, just because there's two of us at the core. So obviously we can't take everybody. Um, yeah, bandwidth with issues. everybody. Exactly. Yeah. And we don't want to, um, because I don't want to get to that point where 
we're 60 people and I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on on any of the accounts. Um, unless somebody comes in my office every week and tells me that's not the kind of agency that I want. So we, we get a chance to pick and choose who we want to work with. And if we want to take on those challenges and, um, I think that puts us in a much more transparent position with our clients. And I think, I hope at least when you ask them that they find that very helpful because we're more of a partner rather than a vendor at that point. And how does your fee structure work? Um, that's a good question. Uh, so we, we do value billing. Um, value billings. Yeah, we do value billing. So uh, I have some people that do bill a little less or would traditionally bill a little less per hour. But because the majority of us, Alicia and I are senior leaders, we bill uh, like a blended rate for value billing. But what I do is if, if we've been working together a long time, this is usually how it goes. After three months or so, we take a look at how many hours we've spent and what we've accomplished and say, why don't we kind of take the median of that and mm -hmm. then use that as a retainer? Um, and so we will create a retainer based on, you know, value. So the value for us is we can get a longer term contract with a set amount of money every month. The value to clients is they've already had test runs. They know we're doing what we need to do. They know we're already um, succeeding and they know how much time it takes to do that. And so we're not coming out of the gate saying, oh, it's going to cost 10 grand a month and take it mm -hmm. or leave it. Like we don't do that. So we start. So how much, do, how much do you charge in those first three months while you're figuring out what so value? So we charge $175 an hour. But we bill on the quarter hour. So, um, so yeah, it's it's a lot of, you know, if I make a phone call, one phone call, we're not going to bill you an hour for that. Um, it's just silly. So, mm -hmm. but the value billing makes it a lot easier um, because then right. um, the other thing that we're doing a little differently and, you know, some of my PR friends probably scream at the, the uh, computer when they hear me say this is we're taking a look at some of the things that like traditionally used to happen in PR and billing and kind of turning that on its head. So one of the old ways of doing things with like press releases, for instance, was to mm -hmm. say, okay, well, when we bill a press release, we can never bill less than, you know, four hours because the press releases still work. Do. For certain things, yes. Um, the thing is, press releases take a while, even if you do them on the same day, and the news moves faster than that sometimes. So, you, I mean, there are times when you legally have to put out a press release, so that's that's a different story. But, mm -hmm. um, but do press releases work in general? Uh, if you have a good strategy behind it, yes. It can't be the only thing you ever do. I see a lot of people like that. They just put it up on Business Wire and think, that's plenty. It's not. And yeah. it it looks like you're it looks exactly like you're you know paying somebody to do your homework. It you can tell by looking at it. So um, I wouldn't recommend doing it unless you had uh, a strategy behind it. 
Now, who is the perfect client? You had mentioned Food and Bev. Um, is there any mm -hmm. other verticals that you guys work with or who's out there? If they're listening now, they should pick up the phone and give you guys a call. Yeah, I think anybody in the CPG or the you know consumer product space that is interested in kind of their value proposition, not just in selling because everybody wants to sell their product, right? But mm -hmm. a lot of our clients have a, a greater mission. Um, doesn't have to be philanthropic, but a lot of them have sustainability effort that they're trying to bring into their, you know, communications. And then on the B2B side, same thing. Um, we work with a lot of packaging companies, a lot of professional services companies that, you know, want to capture a certain kind of customer and and they're more like us where they're okay saying to the wrong customer it's okay we just can't help you you know they're willing to walk mm -hmm. away from things that don't um uh, don't work for them uh, those are the kinds of customers that we want on both sides b2b and b2c here and how can an interested listener learn more about about you or working with you yeah our website um which is P-I-E-T-R-Y-L-A-E-R.com. Um, you can also just email me, which is Christine at PatrillaPR.com. Great. And I see you are also are the managing editor of BoostFrontline.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. what, what is Boost Frontline and how long have you been involved with that? So I created it. Um, I have in my past, part of my past, career trajectory, been um, on the publishing side of some of the trade magazines that I've worked with and still write for them, you know, if you take a look at my LinkedIn. Um, and I started to think there's all of this business information out there. Uh, there's not something that kind of speaks directly to a mission-focused leader. Um, and by mission-focused, I mean you know, the CEOs, the startup people that are are creating the companies because they have a passion for what they're doing, not just because they have a passion for making money. And so, you know, there are some magazines like Entrepreneur I really love. They have such a wide array of people. Some people would criticize the, the fact that they use contributors. I love it because there's such a different perspective in writings across the different industries and whatnot. And I kind of wanted to create something like that, that where you could, you could see yourself in other bits of business that didn't have to do with exactly what you're working on every day. So went out, hired a team of writers, um, set up the infrastructure, kind of start putting that together. And so we- How, how long is that? How long has that been going? About six months. Six months. Yeah, okay. so not super long, but mm -hmm. yeah, and we're eventually- I'd like to monetize it, but I don't want to do that until we have the, the readership and the information. Because again, I don't want to bother our readership with things. So until I can get a handle on, you know, what they want and what they expect and, and what their threshold for being bothered is, I don't, I don't want to, to monetize it before uh, it becomes useful. So, you know, it right kind now, of, it kind of reminds me of Internet Retailer Magazine, in a, a way. Little. I think they're out of Chicago as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
a little, we focus on retail. You know, obviously since I'm part of the editorial team and we focus so much on packaging and CPG, it does lean toward that, especially yeah. since that's what most of the startups besides tech are. However, I we do have, and, and we have a lot of really good contributed articles coming up. And, you know, once in a while we talk about things that you don't always necessarily see talked about, like layoffs and how to mm. work with somebody, how to fire somebody that's not performing. I mean, those are things that are kind of tough to write about right. if you haven't had that experience or, you know, uh, so we talk, well, there's a lot of articles on there about failing, you know, about what if your startup goes under, what do you do next? You know, kind of helping a business owner put their, their head in gear, you know, to keep thinking and keep creating opportunity for themselves. And is this, is this newsletter printed as well, or is it hundred um, percent online? hundred percent online for now. And it is a fresh and completely unmonetized so it is it is a good place to go and so no no ads or anything like that Mm -hmm. nothing no we i have one at the top for our agency (laughs) Mm, (laughs) that was it but nothing else uh nothing else and we certainly don't um push anything if we do uh push anything to like our our subscribers via email it's about our content we're not selling anything on that website Got it. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Christine. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up today? No, I enjoyed this. I love talking about marketing. I'm just, I I always feel bad when I have to say it's different for everybody. Um, But uh, if somebody were to get on the phone with me, explain their situation, I would love to tell you exactly what you need to do. Um, Even if we don't end up working together, it's just, uh, strategically something that I enjoy. So, so give me a call and I'll help. Great. Well, thanks for joining us again. Yeah. Thank you. For listeners, if, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information on Petrilla PR and a boost frontline or connecting with Christine, you'll find all the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our podcast resource center available at podcast.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all our different past guests by show topic and included each of their contact information in case you would like more information in the services I've discussed during previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy and happy marketing, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.